In London, technology is the Silicon Roundabout. Introducing a new talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. Silicon Real. Each week, interviewing entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, financial technology, accelerators, and incubators in an exciting three-person format. Learn about the people behind the innovation. Locally filmed, locally sourced. Silicon Real. It's about the people. Okay, guys, here we go. This is Silicon Real, the weekly talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. I am Brian Rose. I also host London Real, which is a similar setup in the same studio. Uh, we've had uh, guys like Bruce Perry from the BBC series Tribe in here. We had Tim uh, Ferris from the Four Hour Everything. We had uh, Max Kaiser from Russia Day, uh, Russia Today, screaming about Bitcoin. I even had George Galloway in here, and he charmed my pants off. <laughs> you know, it, it was ridiculous. Um, so You're not the first. Uh, yeah, I know. I was. Like, you know, there was no anger. There was no yelling. I was just like, wow, he's a really cool guy to hang out with. So, if you ever, a man crush? A little bit, yeah. If, if you ever want to see an interview of George where he's not yelling about someone or telling, how the, telling the reporter how the BBC is unfair or the Murdoch media is being unkind to him, then watch his episode of London Real because, uh, yeah, he's, he was great. Uh, put, really put the uh, Scottish slash Irish charm on me. So, uh, but uh, you can check that out at LondonReal.tv. But we're here to talk about tech today. My co-host, as you probably know, is uh, entrepreneur Colin Pyle, who runs uh, the online language school Lingo's uh, gourmet coffee company Crew Cafe. Uh, you're raising money left and right. You probably can't go a day without raising money, right? Well, I hope I'm going to go a lot of days without raising money. <laughs> really? After, uh, yeah, we just closed two rounds with those both those companies. So okay. happy days ahead. We got lots of uh, landing strip and hopefully not raising money anytime soon. Okay. It really is like a... Is it tiring? Yeah. Or is it a lot of pressure once you raise it? It's a lot of pressure, but it's, yeah, it's just tiring. You just, you know, knocking down doors, people, people are, you know, tearing apart your business plan, which is good, but um, it's just a lot of work. You want to get back to execute? Yeah, you want to get back to running the businesses. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, thanks for being here today. Our guest is Mr. Jason Goodman. Who is Great the, to be here. Uh, thanks for being here. He's the founder and CEO of Albion, which is a, a creative partner uh, for clients who want to build challenger brands, products, and communications. Very you like good. That? Thank you. I think one of your clients said, uh, you're, you're, quote, not a digital agency or an ad agency or a strategic agency. You're just a great agency. <laughs> I don't know why I picked that quote, but I, I don't know. It's, it sounded pretty <laughs> it's good. It's a kind one, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have uh, some big clients. Uh, you've got clients like Wonga, GifGaf, Skype, Betfair, um, Compare the Market, Funding Circle, Zoopla. If you're not in Britain, I mean, these are, these are big companies that have like very distinct brands, you know, that we see on TV and, and uh, you know, they're very noticeable. Um, so uh, uh, those are very big. You're also named as one of the most influential people in digital, uh, the one of the hundred most in London last year. Everyone on here is always like part of a list. <laughs> it's true. How many lists are there? Uh, uh, Courtney Boyd Myers was something. Uh, yeah. Roxanne Varga was thirty under thirty. Yeah. I want to be on the uh, the forty three under forty three list <laughs> this year, or some type of list. Yeah, I want to be on that list too. Forty three under forty three. Yeah, you're, you're yeah, with me, right? I'll just be the cell. I think we're exactly the same age. Aren't I we? think we are. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, Jason, welcome to Silicon Real. Great to be here. Thank Th you. Thanks so much for being here. You know, we've had a variety of guests. I think your episode number twenty eight. We've had uh, uh, entrepreneurs, of course. We've had venture capital guys like Simon Cook. We had uh, uh, Benjamin Southworth when he came straight yeah. out of um, of uh, number ten Downing. But we've never really had uh, a guy like you. We've never had you know the Don Draper of London tech startup. Here. You know. <laughs> 
know, we've never spoken with someone who, who kind of builds brands. And I was trying to think about exactly what Jason does today. And it's like, you've got all this, these ideas and then you have a, a client base or the market and like where the rubber hits the road in a way, I think is what you do. Yeah. I, you know, listen, we, are, um, we do lots of different things. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we put the product, the brand, the entrepreneur front and center, you know, so we're, we're sitting behind trying to work out how to make things accessible, understandable, work well for customers, consumers, you know, I think we keep people uh, straight and narrow on, on startup and, uh, and also we've just got years of experience of working with entrepreneurs, you know, and they're a funny bunch of beasts. Uh, I love them dearly. And they're the only people we work with. They must be very suspicious of, you know, big business or, or big, big agencies. I would yeah, guess. look, I suppose when they walk into our place, we're just down the road. I don't think they get a sense that we're kind of like, you know, we're not, we're not one of the big guys. Uh, in spite of our, you know, the scale and the work we do with others, I think people kind of get a strong sense that we're very much part of the, the, the scene. Uh, I'm very much, you know, I'm an entrepreneur first. I'm an ad guy. I'm an ad guy second. Uh, so, you know... Uh, hopefully they, they can understand some of that authenticity. Um, I'm not saying it's reflective of my, of my marketplace, but maybe that's what makes us different. Also, you've had a mole in our operation now since the beginning. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bryce Keene has been in here working probably covertly for you. And, uh, and we've, <laughs> we've probably, unbeknownst, Ted, we have a lot exactly. of random probably clients of Albion, but they were the great stories. I can't, you know, it's such a small community. I can't tell who knows who or that yeah. kind of thing. But, you know, Bryce Keene is part of the Three Beards. He works for Albion Drive, which I believe is kind of your PR wing. Yeah, so he was actually the founder of it. So it's one of the new businesses within within the business. Do you know what I mean? You know, we're constantly getting into new areas that our clients want support on. Um, you know, and there was no one doing PR and social really, really well for the tech scene. Uh, you know, there was a, uh, there's almost like a really flaky reputation around kind of the people who are out there. And, you know, he's really nailed it in the last 12 months. Um, and people, you know, this, you know, they'll say if they're not happy. <laughs> so uh, it, there was space for it. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we're going to deliver a really good job. Yeah, Bryce has been an integral part of this show. Uh, you know, early on, I knew nothing about the business or the industry. You know, Colin had been here, what, a year or, or, yeah, or so? So he, you know, put us in touch with all the great people, and, and uh, hopefully we'll see him back here as a co-host soon. So, yeah, we just know, got back into town. Maybe yeah. Next week. I think so. Yeah, if you're watching. Um, but uh, he's probably working. Uh, you, you know, you've been in this area now for almost 12 years, 11 years? Yeah, it's 11 years as Albion. And before that, I started uh, an interactive agency uh, back in the kind of, you know, mid-90s, in 96, uh, that's still going today, a very successful shop called Tribal DDB. Uh, so I kind of got into, I've done two, I've started two shops, um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, I kind of, so been part of the internet scene for some time. So you've been there and done that. I mean, we've had like Bindi Karia on here talking about the olden days, like in 06 and 07, when <laughs> there was like tumbleweeds going around Old Street Roundabout. I mean, you were here even before that. Yeah, we opened, uh, we opened in London Fields, which okay. is, Poor man Shoreditch, uh, or was then, that's a fact, um, where uh, back in 2002. Uh, and then when there was, that was just when there was a couple of us, and that was classic start in your bedroom type stuff. Um, it was my bedroom. Right. Uh, that was the street you lived on? Was that was the street I lived on, that I lived on, exactly. And then we, we got to work with some really interesting entrepreneurs, and then we moved to Great Eastern Street, which obviously is just around the corner from here. Yeah. Um, just opposite the Hoxton Hotel, number 70. It was a shop. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there was about three of us that started in there and that kind of grew to 
you know, half a dozen people and in the first 18 months, and then we moved into the T building, which is a bit further down the road. So we have been here for, we've kind of watched, uh, we've watched and been part of it. What's, I mean, we always ask people that are, that are sitting there kind of like, you know, what, what's been your past, what's been your future, and why do you think you guys are kind of, kind of winning your space? But what's like a typical day for you or people that, are, that don't know, that are, that are tuning in, that just are in tech or just are in finance? I mean, what is it that you actually do? If, if I'm a brand like Wonga three years ago or five years ago and they come to you, you know, where, where do you take them from, say, start to finish? Look, for a start, we're like, um, you know, we're a strategic partner and... You know, we were just talking before we started, you know, the show. Uh, when you're in startup, there are, you're just a, your, your life is awash with challenges. They're not problems, challenges, exactly, you know. Yeah. And whether, life experience. You know, right. and it's just kind of like creating some sort of really kick-ass user experience, which people love, talk about. Um, you know, that, that requires enormous uh, focus around the detail, you know, iteration, you know, it's, it's all about the product. Um, so, you know, my life is spent uh, pulling apart product experiences, trying to understand how we can make them much better and giving a really honest input, feedback, anchored on data, you know, all sorts. You know, our work is very strategic, very focused around the product. Once you've nailed the product, you've nailed your marketing. Inevitably, there are other issues and that's when kind of like communications become really important. Um, so, you know, but my typical day is staying in touch with, um, with, you know, everything from the really early startups we work with right through to the big guys like Compare the Market where, you know, we're pushing out, you know, really bold new product experiences, which, you know, hopefully are going to add greater value in the marketplace. Who came up with the meerkats? Is that you? No, that wasn't us. Uh, sadly, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a killer advertising campaign. Um, and uh, now our work with Compare the Market is far more focused around uh, innovation in product. So we've just um, we've just put out this really cool app for them actually that launched 24 hours ago. Uh, check it out if you can, if you're interested in this. It enables you to kind of photograph your energy bill, um, and within 10 minutes they'll they'll serve you back uh, you know a bunch of options which will enable you to get a discount. On your existing bill, so the very wow. the very experience of com- of compare the market via you know the algorithm, but now replicated in a really easy user experience. If you don't have your bill to hand, you can photograph your computer screen instead, Ooh. and it's just like it's a killer idea. It's a lovely user experience, and we're you know we're expecting it to be really successful. What's the name of that? The, the Snapped. Snapped. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, Cool. Can I show it? Yeah, I mean, you can try to show it. I don't know if they'll see us out there. Yeah, pull it up, pull it up. You know, it's, it's weird because, you know, we, we think of, like, you think ad agency here, the guys running ads, and you think guys that are placing the ads, but, like, you guys get involved in your user experience. I mean, you're, yeah. part, you're part of the company, basically. So, basically, you know, the way we are is uh, it's better to view us as being, if a business could come into us and outsource pretty much all areas of product and marketing, that's kind of, that was our ambition. Um, you know, and everyone who comes to work at Albion has got a startup they're either working on, they're doing it on a weekend, at night, they've, they've got a, you know, they're going to do something themselves and they're there, they're there to learn how to do startup. Okay. Um, so whether that's in product design, you know, user experience, creating clever communications, working out how to do social, PR, kind of, you know, um, 
they get they get an opportunity to work throughout the whole area of product and marketing. And I've also gone, um, you know, in my in my career, I've I've gone inside client side as kind of interim marketing director. So I've kind of I've experienced the other side. You know, I, I was working really closely with Nicholas Sandstrom on in the early days at Skype. And did 18 months over there, helping to sort of put their marketing in place. In Estonia or at their company? No, actually, we were, yeah, we were in and out of Tallinn and the offices then were in Soho, actually. Uh, ironically, it was kind of, uh, and, um, but it was when there was only about eight of us over here in, in, in Albion. And it was, uh, we worked together for six years. Um, is, it tr- is it true in a startup that that's the thing that's usually lacking, like good, good marketing prowess? Because you get the, a lot of times the tech guy or the idea guy and the guy that's going to implement it. But I mean, mar- mar- good marketing yeah. is serious business. You right? know something, in my view, there's always something missing in, in startup, right? Because you right. can't afford it all, you know? And, right. and rarely do you have in one man or one woman or even the core team that starts something, everything you need. Right. And I think actually that's one of the challenges of startup is working out what you don't have. And then hustling to find it. <laughs> and sometimes you can hire it full time um, and get that skill embedded inside the business. And sometimes you just have to find it in advisors. Uh, my view of you know we live in an imperfect world, and and you know so I think you just have to grab what you need. Uh, so and that kind of more experienced entrepreneurs know that with us, so they know they can kind of cut and paste a piece of us and plug it into their operation. And at some point in time. We'll back off and recognise that you know we, it may not be economic to keep us involved a lot, you know, and that it'd be better for them to hire full-time people who do what we do. Um, and we get that, you know. There's no, uh, it's completely, totally right. And and how do you work? Do you charge the companies? Is it sort of monthly retainer, or is it? It's every you know, so, you know, everything. It's every commercial model you can think of. Okay. Um, because we've been going now for like you know eleven years. You know, we've built up critical mass. Um, and we've started investing in some of the businesses that we work with. Cool. And some of the relationships that we have, like I was over at, at Tomoko uh, uh, two days ago for a, a client that we work with who are called Chemist Direct, really in, interesting e-commerce model uh, where you can fulfill your prescriptions online and you know, it's kind of the next generation pharmacist. And in that uh, business, not only do we do a lot of work for them on user experience, but we've also co-invested in the business. I sit on the board. You know, and do, you, do you have a, a fund, like an Albion fund? So we've got a, we've got a small fund that we make investments out of, okay. um, and we tend to focus it around businesses that we're actively involved with, because the purpose of it is not to, uh, you know, we're not VCs, right? <laughs> um, but what we can do is we can add value both in the work we do and potentially some sort of discounted relationship to do with our, our fees. So we take equity in, in exchange. Sometimes we'll actually just put cash in as well because it would just be a kick-ass business and it's not the right time for us to really involve ourselves, but we, we know about it, we get involved, we'll invest, and then maybe we'll work with them 12 months down the line. Do you turn away business? And I mean, it seems like with an agency like you, it seems like everyone would come to you with all their ideas, but we had like Simon Cook in here at DFJ and he's like, I still need to, to find out what's going on out there. As in, you expect these guys, everyone to come to them. I mean, do you, do you A, turn away business and B, do you, do you always get a look on all the businesses out I mean, there? You know, you, uh, you know, I'm constantly hunting interesting ideas, um, constantly trying to stay in touch with, you know, it's an amazing, look, we live in an amazing city, right? London's, as hot as it gets at the moment. There's yeah, we're, more, we're big fans. We're more interesting <laughs> ideas than, than you could ever hope for. And it's really easy. Um, so, you know, you know, my job is to, is to stay connected with, with, with what's gaining some critical mass or where the talent are kind of innovating. Um, and what I'm finding really interesting now is you're getting entrepreneurs have been involved in, say, Skype or a 
halo or a, you know, a really good business. And they've done their few years, they've got out for whatever reason, and now they're doing something new. So you've got proven entrepreneurs doing their next thing. Um, and hopefully we know some of them, that people know us well, and also you just have to connect. Um, so no, my job is to hunt out the next interesting Skype, Wonga, Betfair, Innocent, innocent Drinks, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and make sure that we're in the right place so that we can you know, add some value. I was talking to you earlier about sofa, uh, sofa sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. like a really, you know, just fascinating business, really early stage. You know, my instincts would tell me it's got the potential to be really big. So get uh, involved with them in some way. But then you don't have the staff to get involved with everything, right? <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, so you've got to pick and choose. Right. I mean, you know, you talk about turning things down. I don't think we turn... Turning things down sounds a little bit arrogant, right? You know, kind of what right have we got to tell anyone that, you know, we don't want to work with them. But I definitely think what we do is we, we have an honest conversation around, is it the right time for people to use us? You know, they may want to work with us, but maybe it's not the right time for the business. Maybe it's too early. Maybe it's too early, exactly. And we often have that conversation. Okay. Um, and, you know, we're constantly having informal conversations where we hopefully we can help informally and people kind of start to get to know us a little bit better and, you know come to trust us. I think that's really important. Last part of that question is where, where do you want to be? I think you're around 80 employees now. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I think you kind of came from big agency background. You know, do you, do you want to be 300? Do you want to be involved in 10 times as much business? Mm. I mean, look, it's taken us 11 years to get to 80, right? So it's like, uh, <laughs> so look, there are plenty of really big businesses in kind of, you know, marketing services. And I think if we were, if we had that kind of, you know, single-minded focus on growth at, at any cost, we'd be a different type of company. No, we're definitely far more single-minded on who we're working with, the sort of work we're doing, uh, what we're learning, uh, the sort of team we're building. Uh, you get to a certain size in an agency model where you know, bureaucracy takes over, you know, creative talent starts falling apart. Uh, so you know, our ambition is more around staying relevant and, you know, uh, doing doing amazing work. That's that's you know it sounds it probably sounds a bit contrived, but that's that's more what we're excited by. Okay. Um, All right. Good stuff. We uh, we we call this Silicon Real, and so it's time to get a little bit real and uh, ask you just a couple questions, um, devil's advocate wise, like business model wise. But you, you kind of you addressed it there. But I mean, how do you know when you walk into every day that you're not becoming like the WPP and not becoming <laughs> that agency? I mean, how do you check yourself when you have like really big brands you're working on, and then you get the phone call from Wonga, and then the phone call from say Sofa, and you don't know which one to take? And like, how do you kind of keep that discipline going? Uh, or convince a new client that you're going to be yeah there. so I, you know I think it's probably like any good business we try and surround ourselves with the right advice and advisors and we listen to them so you know one of the things we do um, we've got some really good non-exec directors of our business who aren't involved in the business day to day but keep us you know uh, true to the faith and kind of remind us when we're doing things not as well as we should be or maybe something things we should think about so um you know, there's a guy called John Farrell, uh, another guy called Saul Klein, he's a partner at Index Ventures, yeah. been involved with the business, I think, for eight, for 10 years now. Uh, you know, so those guys are really important to, to us. You know, we, uh, you have to listen, right? You, got, you know, listening to customers is what every business should do. Um, and uh, if you don't listen to them, then you're really really fucking stupid. And these uh, guys will just give you a gentle reminder? You, you see them every quarter and they'll they, say... They don't give you gentle reminders. Okay. I mean, they tend to give you more kind of assertive reminders than that. Um, you know, I, also I think we've got a culture where you listen to your people. I mean, I just think an agency is no different to any other business. Uh, 
you, you know, listening to your customers or listening to the people who make up the team invariably will give you every possible clue as to what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Um, and we, you know, we try and do that as much as possible using all of the kind of, you know, uh, all of the things you would do in any business, you know, whether it's quantitative research or just sitting down and talking to people. Fair enough. Colin, what, what you got for me? Yeah, I guess maybe if you could talk about, probably now uh, it's a lot easier for you to get clients and sort of show your value because of what you've been able to do. But when you were back sort of starting up from an entrepreneur's perspective, often an agency or you know marketing or fixing the product is something that you feel sometimes you can do yourself or yeah. your team can do and sometimes you completely screw that up but other times you just don't have the money so i'm wondering you know when you were pitching guys when you were you know a year old or two years old like how do you win that business and convince them that that your you know your service was something they required so we very early on we tried to do work that stood out so it was interesting when um when Nicholas Enstrom from Skype came looking for us, he was recommended to us by a guy called Danny Reimer, who's the, one of the senior partners over at uh, Index. And they'd seen the work we'd done for Innocent Drinks and literally had kind of looked at the copy on the bottles and, the, you know, just the looked at how the brand had been created. And they wanted to talk to the guys who'd been, you know, responsible or partly responsible or involved in some way, and that was us. So I think... You know, you're only as good as your last piece of work. Right. right. That's a fact. People out you really quickly in my business. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're not doing, if you're not doing really good work, no, you know, particularly with entrepreneurs, they'll slam you quite happily. And, and I think also particularly in the UK as well, actually, if you've got any reputation, if you're not delivering on it. So I think it's about recommendation. I mean, yeah. virtually everything we get is because someone knows us, seen what we do. I think there's like, you know, I think it's like a, you know, uh, it's trip, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's so much verification yeah. of, of our value. Uh, and, it, and my marketplace is possibly one of the most competitive marketplaces on the planet. I mean, you know, you'd have to be an, in, you'd have to be almost insane to start my business. Uh, Why? It's grotesquely oversupplied markets. Okay. Um, you know, but, but yet there are more agencies in London than than, yeah. than, than than you can. I mean, that you'd ever want to know what to do with, really. But that's the thing. You know, now in the last few years in London, you've seen these little kind of two, three man shops open up agencies. They're, they'll do your PR, they'll do your yeah. marketing and product and design, and, and and so you know, it's hard from an entrepreneur's perspective because I think a lot of new entrepreneurs don't put enough value on sort of the product and the brand and the messaging yeah. to the customer. So a lot of the times they'll might go down, a, you know, the wrong path and then it's hard to kind of reverse and, and you know, pay for the same stuff again. Right. How, how many entrepreneurs have gotten the same website built twice or three times? No, I mean, you, know, you know, God, it's uh, I don't even like to be involved in those conversations because right. it's almost like when people have been burned like that, it's yeah. just kind of like, uh, and sometimes there's a reason why they've been burned. Right. Cause it's not always down to the fact that they've hired the wrong people. Yeah. Um, you know, hiring an agency is no different to hiring a person right. and then managing them, right? You know, uh, some of the reasons that some entrepreneurs haven't been able to get what they need is because they haven't been able to engage the right way. Sure. Uh, so again, you know, I think it's kind of, uh, look, I think verification is really important. I think you need to buy, I think you also need to buy people's passion and commitment, right? So you should be testing, are these people going to, like you say, you know, the whole Don Draper thing, you know, are they, you know, is there any truth in their, in what they're saying they're going to do? 
that's like mm. the classic problem right. is that what they get sold isn't delivered in reality. Uh, so I think, you know, testing people's any agent's commitment to actually deliver. And I suppose just really kind of making sure that um, you're dealing with an honest broker. Um, I, I mean, I, I do that whenever I hire uh, third parties as well, you know, check, verify, make sure there's lots of third party endorsements. Sure. Uh, and I think that's why I think, you know, sometimes hiring people who've got no reputation is a really dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Frankly, it's, tough, it's yeah. like, you know, and if you are going to do that, then, then make sure it's, Cheap as chips. <laughs> <laughs> or free. <laughs> or free. Pay exactly. later. Yeah. Exactly. And, and like Mad Men, I think you've been quoted as saying, like, optimism is contagious. And people can feel that in an agency. Is, I mean, you kind of see it on the show all the time. Like, yeah. Whoever's got the momentum kind of gets the business, and then they get too yeah. rich, or they get too, you know, jaded in their perspective, and then the next agency comes along. Yeah. I mean, is that something you always try to make sure you have that... I mean, do you suggest people to look at optimism when they go to find an agency? Yeah, you know, we've got, um, look, we've got a really narrow focus. Um, we only work with entrepreneurs because, because, me, because myself, my partners, and everyone inside the business are fascinated with that culture and with, um, you know, with the businesses that are kind of driven by entrepreneur cultures, entrepreneur-led cultures. You know, if an agency is doing everything for all types of businesses... You know, you've got to doubt, you know, well, what's, you know, uh, what's their center of gravity? You know, why are they really capable of doing it all for everyone? Uh, so I think, you know, there's lots of kind of specialism. And I think that's what people do know us for that. You know, we're kind of like, we're very single-mindedly focused on working with a certain type of business, with a certain type of kind of challenger mentality, wanting to change the world. Um, and if we do work with bigger corporates, it's because they want to work out how to do that with some sort of new disruptive product. Um, so we're not, you know, you know, we're not marketing soap suds for, for Unilever. Right, um, okay. Or, you know, and, you know, I never have Nor done... would you want to, right. Yeah, it's not a question of, I've got no res- lack of respect for the guys who do that stuff, but, like, that's not, that's not our core strength. Okay. You know, you've been here for 10 years. You know, you, you've been here since the early days. And I was just wondering what you think when, when say, the government, you know, creates Tech City and they're like, guess what? You know, tech is going to be big in London yeah. or, or insert a large multinational corporate here is going to do an incubator program in shortage. Yeah. And like that happened a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. And it's going to happen again in another year or two years and three years. And do, do, do you get sick of that sometimes when you're like, yeah, we know that's why we're here. We've been part of this community since the beginning. Is that frustrating a little bit? I don't know. I'm kind of like I'm uh, I've enjoyed seeing uh, all the growth and I kind of think that uh, the growth and the excitement around tech seems to have just helped generate more and more interesting businesses. So the outcome of this kind of fascination with, you know, the culture around Tech City, I think has got lots of positive effect. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys who I don't, you know, cities change uh, and and I kind of enjoy witnessing and being part of that change. If everything stayed the same, it would be, it'd be really boring. Uh, so I don't. I, I don't like a lack of authentic commitment to it. I find a bit kind of, you know, a bit annoying. But I think that the government agenda is driven not not just from polit- not just kind of from a political kind of you know let's get voted get back into power. Right. I think they do recognise this is a major potential powerhouse for the economy, and given all the challenges that have existed, 
sit, you know, focusing on it could really deliver, could deliver some results and could deliver uh, tax yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and growth. And I think they're right. Now, what I'm fascinated in, though, is how you take it beyond just the kind of tech scene as we know it and take some of that kind of entrepreneur attitude into kind of more into normal businesses uh, and into everyday businesses. How we can make technology and entrepreneurship kind of like, you know, just part of everyday speak for, for any, anyone across the country. Uh, it shouldn't just be the preserve of kind of, you know, Shoreditch hipsters. Right. Um, Should be more there. Yeah. And speaking of London tech, I mean, we always talk about, you know, the Silicon Alley, Silicon Valley, where London fits in. We obviously know there's some places where it seems to really have be way ahead, say fintech or that kind of thing. What do you think we are like state of the union as far as the major global tech hubs and what we might need to do a little bit differently, what we should keep doing right? It's a really good question. You know, I, you know, my instinct is, is that there's so much, um, there's so much skill around kind of product design in London and creativity. Uh, and that is such a, you know, that's a, become a real area of fascination now globally. So front end experience kind of, you know, what's the user experience? I'd like to see London become kind of the unquestionable leader globally in that area so that anyone who really wants to create kind of the kind of killer user experience knows they've got to hire here because I genuinely believe we can deliver it um, and it's kind of like that kind of mentality and mindset wants to live in a city like this right you know I was about to say what why would yeah. that be why would that be a London thing well Is it because we're diverse or yeah I think or? it's 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 absolutely to do with the culture of the the kind of innate culture of the city okay you know there's there's so much that kind of feeds the mind here um you're not, and, you're not surfing after uh, six o'clock when yeah, you Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, let, let's talk to Bryce when we, uh, about his experiences in Australia. Do you know what I mean? But there's right. so many alternatives to kind of like the cultural alternative to, to work is, is, is to be in the sea, right? <laughs> or, you know, or riding your bike or, you know. And yeah. I just think there's kind of uh, in, in this city, the kind of if you're not going to be working, you're going to be, uh, be experiencing kind of the, the real rich diversity of culture, entertainment, and everything that comes with it, I think it just feeds that kind of creative mindset. I was with, uh, I was in Facebook this morning with Nicola Mendelssohn, who, who's, you know, yeah, runs Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and she was telling me that, uh, that they've just done this kind of, you know, piece of research internally at Facebook, asking all the engineers where they want to live, right? And, uh, and they want to live in London. Really? And as a result, Facebook are investing massively in, you know, in new space and creating a much larger platform over here. And, you know, really building out their engineering capability here, not because there's necessarily engineers here, because this, but rather because the best engineers in the world want to be working here. They want to be living here. Uh, so in the same way that they give them free food and, you know, uh, discounts on their, you know, uh, on their dry cleaning. Uh, it's like, you know, they want to be living in the city. So let's, I think we should capitalize upon on what the city can give to the tech community. And that's, you, that's been happening yeah, yeah. in California too a lot, where people, the valley, a lot of it's coming down to sort of the Bay Area, yeah, the city, exactly. because you know, kind of our generation would rather live in kind in, of a city center, in the city center, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, and have a life, right? Want that urban experience. And on, yeah. on just to finish that question out, what do you think we we need to do more of to make sure London becomes that that tech center, that top two in the world? So I think it's uh, I mean. <laughs> But there are some things we could we can affect, and there are some things we can't affect. Uh, I think things like the cost of living is a is probably one of those things that kind of 
can dramatically affect the ability for entrepreneurs to kind of be here and do it. So for me, we need to constantly break out of certain hubs and, and start new hubs in, in more cost-effective parts of the city. Go east, go further east. Yeah. So that shortage is already too expensive. And that's what I say. I say yeah. keep on going east. Right. Um, you know, I'd like to see tech centers emerging also, not just in the center of the city, but at the, ed- at the periphery of the city as well, you know, the edges. Um, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of cheap office space further out. Uh, and we should, you know, we need pioneers who are willing to go there, celebrate it, create new hubs. Um, and kind of encourage that behavior to kind of like not believe that shortage is the center of the universe because it certainly isn't and now it's an expensive center of the universe (laughs) so I mean that's the sort of stuff I'm looking at you know you know we'll inevitably leave this place at some point in time you know where are we going to go next Dalston further you know uh, Dalston's cool what is uh what's a startup kitchen can you tell me about this project of yours yes it's kind of um it's um Something I care a lot about, which is, uh, I think there's like, I love what's going on in Shoreditch. I think it's amazing that it's kind of attracting all the kind of business and tech talent. But I think there's this kind of this disconnect in Hackney between, um, I suppose, between people who have grown up in Hackney uh, from all sorts of diverse backgrounds, often from pretty unprivileged backgrounds where they've not necessarily had access to the best schooling or, you know, lots of kind of, you know, networks. And there's still a hunger for people to start their own business. And I think there's some of the best knowledge in the country on how to do startup here. And what we need to do is we need to find a way of connecting that knowledge with kind of ordinary folk who are still hungry to open in a cafe, do a nail bar, have a branded mechanic, whatever it is. You started off with share a car, some of that knowledge. car wash back in the day. Yeah, I did, you know. And listen, you know something, was a good business, I learned right? a lot from it as well, actually, <laughs> right. you know. And I think... Um, Heisen- Heisenberg ran a car wash too. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. I take that as an awful big compliment, actually. Jesus. I, think. Uh, I didn't realize what was going on there. Okay. So, uh, so what we're doing is, is we're working with the Prince's Trust, uh, with a bunch of different um, kind of, you know, not-for-profit organizations in Hackney. And we're trying to connect and create a mentoring environment between young, up-and-coming entrepreneurs who aren't necessarily the next Facebook, but they are up-and-coming, hungry entrepreneurs in Hackney, and we're connecting them with really experienced, clever, made-it, successful entrepreneurs who can share knowledge. So the first one is taking place at the end of the month. It's taking place round the corner from here in Hackney House. So Hackney Council have helped provide the environment. We've kind of, we've brand, you know, we've set it up as a kitchen. Um, and we've got people like... Uh, Jeff, who was on uh, from Cedars, uh, who was on, on the show yeah. a, a couple of months ago, Saul Klein from Index Ventures, uh, Reshma Sahoni, who founded Seed Camp, uh, creating kind of a mentoring panel around funding as kind of the first thing that people want to know about. We've got kind of four individuals who've come from, have got tiny little businesses or the makings of businesses who are challenged with, you know, how do they fund it? And we're going to help them for a couple of hours. And hopefully it'll be a really inspiring experience for them and we'll be able to connect them with different individuals or people afterwards and we'll, be, we'll play some role, be useful. Um, and we're going to do that every month at Hackney House in the Startup Kitchen um, and we're going to do it around different things to do with startup. Uh, and the, the thinking behind it is, is let's create a mentoring network that connects kind of the, the, the made tech community with up-and-coming business people in Hackney. 
Very, uh, very cool idea. And not obvious by any means. No, yeah. You, know, you think people would be, you know, doing something for the community or... Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that it hasn't happened, uh, but there's a hole, so let's fill it. Yeah, sure. let's do that. Colin, what am I missing? I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You're in the trenches every day. I mean... Yeah. I think I, I'd be really curious to hear, you know, you have this uh, great sort of history of being involved in startups and in sort of product development and brand development. What's the biggest mistake you see, you see entrepreneurs make? In, in kind of that sphere. Um, yeah, so I think there's a, um, there can be an over-fascination with kind of short-termism. So for me, you know, the, lo- the life of startup, and, you know, I've done, a, you know, I've done a couple of my own businesses, I invest in businesses, I'm kind of around them all the time, is there's this terrible balance, juggling act that you've got to have between, you know, short-term return, creating momentum, but also kind of having some sort of strategic perspective on fundamentals inside the business. So I'll try and give you an example of that. Uh, I remember Nicholas Sendstrom, I don't want to keep on referring to Skype because there are plenty of good examples, but one that someone was referring to recently was, you know, what's the most memorable aspect of the Skype experience? Because let's face it, it hasn't changed in a long time, right? Um, Okay, so for me, the most memorable aspect of what we did for kind of helping to create the user experience and brand for Skype are those sounds that the that Skype yeah, makes? Yeah. Those funny kind of bleepy sounds, right? Yeah. You know, the call, the calls are, are strange. It's not like anything else. Um, um, that was Nicholas turning around to me. I don't know, God knows how many years ago. Uh, I think it was eight years ago or whatever, and saying, you know, we've got to have a sonic identity that you know uh, that will live for many, many years, which will be utterly imprinted on people's minds. Um, right. Intel did it. I can well. hear it. Intel in my head did it. Can... Nokia did it before that, right? You yeah. know, it's like you know, yeah. global brands have done sure. it. He tasked us with it, you know, and we and he, in that moment in time, he invested in that. Hmm. He didn't invest in big TV advertising campaigns. He invested right. in that, and I think you know, we delivered it. It's utterly memorable, and kind of things like that, which is, you know, he spent a bit of money on it, not a lot, but yeah. you know, uh, he bought all the rights to it. By the way. Um, <laughs> God, I wish I had uh, royalties on that sound. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you know, I was wondering how you keep staff at Albion because you're full of entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Everyone, it sounds like everyone in Albion has their own side project. Yeah. I even think you only hire people that have their own side project. Well, we certainly encourage it, right? And, uh, and it's really good to see people like Claire Sutcliffe who went off and do Code Club. There's lots, everyone's doing something and it, and it, as they should be. Um, how do we keep people? Well, I think you have to keep people by... by by providing them with exciting things to work on and giving them the diversity and kind of knowledge, learning experience that they're looking for. Look, we do things like, you know, we've got an option scheme, you know what I mean? You know, an EMI option scheme, which is, you know, I picked up that idea from some of the tech firms that we work with. So, you know, at some point in time, like any business, we, you know, there may be a moment, there may be an exit of some sort. So people could have been with the business long term will benefit, will, will benefit when that happens. You know, we do also, we all do, we do everything from, you know, the typical stuff like how do you incentivize people, lifestyle, how do you create real flexibility in the work, in the workplace, um, you know, there's the dog running around. I mean, you know, it's, 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 all it's things. all the things and, you know, we've, we've stolen, ripped off, borrowed, <laughs> been inspired by all the brilliant companies we've worked with who also care about these things. Uh, and, um, and as a result, over time, you kind of create some sort of special culture. And you hire people that, um, that you don't have to watch. 
that just go do their own thing. Well, you ideally. obviously make mistakes like any business does. Uh, but I think when you do make a mistake, it's terrible for the individual concerned because it's not the company that they want to be in. Uh, and I think, so we are definitely, um, and again, that came out of a board meeting recently. I, you know, one of the board members turned around to me and said, you know, Jason, how much time are you spending on, on finding talent? Because we're in growth. And, and I said, I don't know, 10% of my time or 15% of my time. He said, you are missing you are misunderstanding your responsibility as the CEO of this business. You should be spending 50% of your time wow, on, really? on talent, on yeah. talent and the, the challenge of, of finding, hiring, nurturing the best talent you possibly can afford. Um, the, you know, in his opinion, this was Saul actually, in his opinion, that is what great CEOs do. They're constantly looking for the best people, having conversations, thinking further ahead, um, because, you know, when you mishire or hire someone who's kind of not as good as they could be, I mean, you know, it's very difficult to, it's, it's, it's terrible. Long-term yeah. consequences. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like Roger Sterling, what would he do? He's always looking for the big <laughs> talent, right? I think Roger Sterling is somewhat distracted. By drinking? By the talent. Oh, by so the I, talent. By the talent in the this company. Is this another Mad Men reference? You don't watch Mad Men? I haven't gotten into Mad Men yet. I can't I'm believe you were even allowed on this show. <laughs> I know, I'm feeling very left out This is a very Canadian thing to say, isn't it? it? Really, yeah. you know. I don't what, know. Now, how much does Mad Men parallel your life? Do you watch it and chuckle sometimes? <laughs> Do you watch it and say, it's not like that? Or like... <laughs> well, it's a different era, right? So I wasn't, a, I wasn't born or around then. Uh, no, I think... I th- they were the rock stars of their era. They were though, absolutely they? the rock stars. I think there are many uh, interesting analogies. Uh, I think the world of creativity, you know, there are some creative processes that haven't changed. Uh, and maybe that's actually some of the problems. But, I mean, interestingly, there's been... Back in the 50s, they were as focused around helping to design product as they were in communications. And then at some point in time, probably in the 80s, Everyone became horribly focused just on TV advertising, right? Um, and kind of overly fascinated with one medium. Uh, and I think there's been a kind of a healthy return to being more fascinated in kind of the user experience and creating creating great products that people just talk about, uh, and and the, you know investing time there. That's that's definitely where more where my heart is. Because the typical ad person is like the extrovert, the guy pressing the palms, the guy buying drinks. But like you've said in the past that you look for people with technical degrees. You look for maybe the introvert who might maybe have a better execution. Tech well, wise, look, right? I think, you know, I think um, I think really good businesses need hustlers. Uh, and, you know, in, in some of the best tech companies we've worked with, there is the hustler on the team. But I think you've also got to have the technologists. You know, you've also got to have... Um, you know, you've got to have someone who's just absolutely focused on the product uh, and that that's their it's a single-minded focus. Uh, so, you know, there's a role for, for relationship, people who can manage relationships. You know, ultimately, clients trust us with their, with, often with large sums of money, which they can never re-spend, you know, um, or should never have to. And uh, so, that, so trust is really important. Uh, in what we do, but you know, it, it can't be just all about that. Um, Fair enough. I'm going to hit him with the advice question. Cool. All right. You probably heard this before, but if you could make a phone call to the 20 year old Jason, give that young man a bit of advice. I guess this was probably just after the car wash. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, what would you tell him? I would tell him, uh, I think I would, I would tell him to go and live in a part of the world where it's really happening. So if, if anything now I would, be encouraging this 
kind of generation coming through to make sure they're living and working in an environment which is most at the cutting edge of what they're passionate about. Um, I, I just think there should be far more mobility. You know, which is interesting because these days uh, everything seems to be interconnected and you don't have to move. You can work from home. You know, I think, I think what you just said about London is right. You know, we're particularly good on fashion, fintech. You know, like uh, there are craft areas that people are particularly good at. I think you, you know, if I have, you know, if I've got, um, if I've got any regrets, it's probably that I didn't go to the Valley when I was in my 20s, do you know what I mean? And uh, go and spend time where it was happening then because sure as hell it was happening there then uh, and it wasn't happening here. Right. So, I, you, know, I, you know, I just think... Uh, get off your ass and go there uh, and also if it's not legal to be there then just stay there anyway and wait to be kicked out of the country it's like you know <laughs> you do go. whatever it takes to be there you know? live on YouTube we've encouraging heard, you to break the law we've heard that before you know put your put yourself where the smartest people are yeah absolutely uh, that are doing what you're doing and so I think that's what you're saying right it's, yeah you know. so I mean you know there's a lot you know there's and I think there are different parts of the world where there are yeah. centers of gravity sure. uh, whether it's in Shanghai or whether it's in you know Africa, whether it's in, you know, Tel Aviv, you know, and you just, I think for people to become, you know, have a more of a global mindset, I mean, it kind of sounds contrived, but I suppose that's the advice I'd give myself. No, no, it's good advice. And something that's come up repeatedly on this show is that you really need to be in physical contact with these people. You know, a lot of these ideas start from three people in a room, not three people on Skype. No offense to Skype. Um, but no, <laughs> I think you do need to move. A, it gets you out of your comfort zone, and B, it sticks you around people with new ideas. And Yeah. And we're doing, um, you know, all the time I'm trying to get involved with businesses which have got uh, technologists outside of London. So, uh, you know, uh, worked with a, a Seed Camp winner, an amazing entrepreneur called Emmy Gal, who uh, won Seed Camp about four years ago, and he started a business called Brainiant. His technology team's in Romania. Uh, where they're just particularly strong in this in this area of of ad tech, um, you know, he's got you know one of the best engineering teams in Europe probably for that work, um, and you know, going and hanging out in Bucharest is is extraordinary. You know, you know, Nicholas purposefully uh, built his team out in Estonia because they had real core strength in that in that yeah. particular area that was kind of relevant to Skype. So I think you know. Ability is everything. You know? Right, and in Europe it's easy. So, um, second part of that question is best advice you've ever received? Ah, I think, you know, uh, some, actually I was, uh, someone said to me last night, and it, it totally rings true. I mean, you know, scaling authenticity is kind of like, is, 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 that's my job. Wow, um, what does that mean? Well, you know, if, it, if there's not some truth in it, uh, then, uh, then, then, don't, then don't deal with it. So interrogate businesses, products, people, for some truth and if you've got any if you've got any suspicion that that, that that there isn't any anything authentic about what's being said to you then kind of back away because you can't scale uh kind of untruths uh, we kind of don't live in that world anymore uh so kind of you know it just i think you have to look for you have to look you have to search out authenticity you know real passion real commitments um kind of facts Things that can't, you know, uncon- uncontrovertible truths. Is this business and personal? Uh, you know, I, I see no, uh, you know, everything in my business life blurs with my personal <laughs> life. And I it's definitely, and I definitely, and I, you know, you have to manage that carefully as you get a bit older. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just, there's definite lots of cross cross learnings. 
Okay. Last bit of that question is, you know, to the 20 year old that's listening to us right now, you know, they could be in China, they could be in the Valley, they could be anywhere in the world. You know, what advice do you give to them if they want to be part of, you know, the tech startup scene? What should they do? Well, you know, just one thing's for certain, you know, you know, I look for fighters, people, I look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to people who are willing to really fight for what they want and believe in. Uh, so kind of, you know, the kind of laid back <laughs> or uh, lack right. of, you know, I, you know, you have to expect to fall over a dozen times before something happens right. Uh, and uh, so I think, you know, you, you need to look for that kind of, you know, determination. That That's definitely the kind of entrepreneur uh, gene that I kind of look for in people who come to, to into Albion and want to have a conversation. They've got to have some sort of steely determination. Uh, How do you determine that? Do you ask them questions? Is there anything specific where you can see it come out? You can normally see something in their eyes. So there is definitely a, there's definitely a mannerism of kind of, you know, uh, but, you know, I think you, you also just in... You look to see, you know, uh, how 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 many times were they pushed back before they got to... It's interesting, I was talking to my brother over at Christmas, and he's doing a startup in Tel Aviv, and he's got this gaming uh, idea. And I've pushed, I've personally pushed him back, I don't know, a hundred times on it, you know, challenging him on it, and he just won't give up. He just, it's, you know, and it was this time when he talked to me about it again, that I went, you know something, I'm now buying... I'm now buying into your commitment to the idea. Right, uh, right. It's like your, you passion, know, yeah. your passion for it, your determination. My questions are starting to feel a bit kind of, you know, shallow, unreasonable, you know, because you're going to over, I, can, I somehow believe that you're going to overcome whatever challenges come your way. So I look for that sort of, you know, that mentality. Yeah, no, that's, sometimes it's just passion that does it. I mean, especially in startups. I mean, yeah. If yeah. the passion's not there, and if you don't know it's going to be there for, as Simon Cook says, five to seven years, yeah. you know, then uh, it's going to be very hard to make that company roll. So, yeah, yeah it must be tough. Uh, what did I miss, Colin? I always miss something. Yeah, I had a quick, you know, again, you've seen so much in your sort of time in this space and with working with some great brands and entrepreneurs. If you sold Albion Dry, you know, tomorrow, yeah. and... Uh, what are you getting your hands into? You know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think I'd be back in startup pretty quickly. In what field, though? I, you know, in something totally new. Yeah, yeah. Because I think you know uh, that that's what you should do in life. Yeah. And I think every every good entrepreneur has got at least two or three in them. Uh, so cool. I think it would be. Um, I, I'd like to sell a product. Uh, a physical product. I'd like to sell a product or service which, when I'm asleep at night, makes you money. Happens, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? If you, the dry cleaning. If, you, if, if you basically worked in a service business for long enough, you know, service, right. service businesses, whether it's a restaurant or whatever, you know, is, is, it's all in the now. And then you just have to keep on doing it. And, right. the, um, you know, there's a, there's a great fascination in businesses where, you know, just the products or, or online services, which just, you know, when the founder sleeps, they still make it. I love, um, I love working with King.com. Uh, I mean, those guys are unbelievable, right? It's taken them almost 10 years to create the, the, you know, the smash hit that is Candy Crush and now the other games as well. And, they, you know, and now it's a, a universal phenomena. Um, and you know, that's a business which at night as they sleep, do you know what I mean? You know, people are paying for it. And it's just, uh, I think there's, there's a, a certain kind of ironic you know, kind of appeal of that sort of thing. 
as long as it's new, as long as it's really, I want, you know. You feel really smart when you create a product and you wake up in the morning and you're worth more and you went to bed, right? <laughs> I just, I've yet to do it, but <laughs> I, I've heard You're going to do it next. Well, hopefully, yeah, yeah, we'll work on it. And you would rather execute as opposed to be on the advising side? You think you'd rather be the guy that has... You know, I, look, I, I definitely love what I do. So God only knows what life after what I currently do could be. And I don't think about it too often. Uh, but, you know, if you force me to answer the question, whatever it is, it's got to be different. Uh, it's got to be a completely new learning experience. You know, maybe I'd go and teach for a little while. I don't know. I don't, you know, it, it, but it's, you know, I think uh, uh, there's a guy called uh, Martin Vasavsky, who's, you know, who I've worked with. He created this, this business called Fon. Um, which you know is a Wi-Fi hotspots globally, uh, and uh, Martin's on. I think he's like fifth successful business that he's done since he's been in his twenties. He's an Argentinian entrepreneur based in Madrid, uh, and uh, he said after every business that he sold, he tries to take a year off to just refresh his his spirits, kind of his perspective on the world, and then he goes again for another seven years. Uh, yeah. I, and, uh, I took two. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. You know, so so but maybe, one year I did. I went to school. So and so then the other year I just yeah traveled. I don't know whether you need a year or whatever, yeah. but I think you need some period of time just to kind of like you know uh, find a new pair of eyes yeah. uh, to understand the world around you, and then you know and then chuck yourself back in again. Yeah. Excellent. How do people get a hold of you? Are you one of these guys that people can actually get a hold of? Yeah, I mean, we I, got a lot of guys that sit here, no names. But they're like, contact me at X at X. And then like, they're really hard to get a hold of. So <laughs> can people just like... You can you know? find me online very, very, very easily. Okay. Uh, if you walk into uh, our offices in the T building, we're on the first and second floor, 56 Shoreditch High Street. Someone will make you a cup of tea and I may do that too. Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. And, uh, you know... You're 50% of your time, we're looking for talent apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, you know, exactly. Make, make us uh, all happy. Yeah, we're, exactly. we're, we're hiring at the moment. So like, you know, if you, you think... Yeah, absolutely. We're hiring and, you know, people who think that they could be relevant for any of the roles, you know, get in touch. Fighters, looking for fighters. Um, Jason, thanks so much for being here. You guys have a, a, just a really impressive agency. You know, uh, Bryce has been talking about you for months. So uh, it's just nice to see the guy behind so many, like, really memorable brands. So uh, thanks for coming and dropping Thank you very science much. on yeah, us. <laughs> it was a pleasure. You know, if you guys are listening to us on iTunes, we're on uh, YouTube channel Silicon Reel. Come check out our beautiful website with beautiful pictures of beautiful people, right? Absolutely. We're going to take a picture right now. And, uh, yeah, it's, you're going to look the best you've ever looked. Yeah, that's what you've promised me. You'll be, <laughs> that's actually why I'm here. <laughs> Here, right? <laughs> you need a portrait shot. Yeah. You need that LinkedIn photo. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> suffice. Our, our pictures are good, right? Sure. Yeah, so are, your pictures are amazing. Thank actually. you. Thank yeah. you. Um, it's uh, siliconreal.com. Uh, this is uh, episode 28, I believe. We're going to keep going. If you've got any uh, guest ideas, please send them through on Twitter. We're very active. And uh, yeah, get in touch with us. Uh, we're always looking for people uh, that want to just help us uh, take it to the next level. Are What's we up? on Wikipedia now? Uh, we're working on Wikipedia. Okay. We're working on working on a few things. TaskRabbit's working on yeah. getting us on Wikipedia. TaskRabbit's working on a few things. They were here good. last week. Everyone's loving uh, Lauren from TaskRabbit. Uh, she was awesome. Uh, tough act to follow, but you're doing good. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's it. Um, as we say on Silicon Reel, it's about the people. Indeed. Jason, thanks so much and all the best. Great. Thank you. Cheers. All right. This piece of advice I've ever received. Uh, I'll go back to my wife. Just do it. There we go. Go okay. out and do it. Okay. So, yeah, believe, you know, what does that mean? It means believe in yourself, take a risk, you know, don't be afraid to take a risk. I think what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? If you've got an idea, you think you can start a business, go for it. What's the worst that can happen? 
it's perfect advice for the missus. That way, when yeah. you come home, you can be. Do you like, like that brownie yeah. points, Ellen? Yeah. If you're watching, and, darling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you're having <laughs> a, a tough, you know, a tough finance around, you're just like, you told me. Yeah, you told yeah. me to go for it.